0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Holstein. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. So when he says, upon this rock I will build the church, he's not talking about a movie star, okay, the rock. He's talking about the confession that Jesus is Lord, That is what he's going to build his church upon. And he says, basically, that if you don't confess Jesus as the Christ, you're not in the church. And here's when the gates of hell will prevail over the church. As soon as Christ stops being the Messiah. The question, the question that he brings to Peter who do you say I am? So Jesus asks this question and gets to this high point of this story, but it doesn't end there, does it? And, and what do we see happen? See, one of the things you have to know about Jesus' ministry, that much of his ministry is trying to align two things. Behavior and belief. And what Jesus does is he exposes a mouth that claims Jesus as Lord with a heart that doesn't. Because how do we know that Peter's mouth and heart aren't aligned? Well, a little back story. When, Jesus Jesus, when Peter answers Jesus' question, that title, the Christ, comes with some weight. We were watching The Lion King a couple of uh, nights ago. Uh, with my girls, and what a traumatic movie for a four-year-old. <laughs> Everybody has to go through it, like, once, right? You just got to see Mufasa die, all right? You just got to see it. You just got to watch it, okay? all right? But, uh, spoiler alert if you've never seen that, but um, <laughs> but I love when young Simba is, uh, you know, trotting along with his dad, and he's like, man, I want to be king, right? I want to be king, so that he could simply be in charge, right? But Mufasa is teaching him that the, the title bears some great power and great burden, right? You see, the title of Christ held a great weight. It was a term reserved for the one who would come. And the Old Testament speaks of a son in Daniel chapter 7 that was a divine figure, clearly human form, but also divine that would be coming in great glory in the clouds of heaven with millions of angels. What does that sound like? That sounds like something that you would notice, right? And Peter would have known these texts. But here's what Jesus does. Jesus blesses Peter, and he begins to tell them what? Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. So Peter rightly Answers the question, who do you say I am? You're the Christ. But Jesus begins to get specific. Because when Jesus says, yes, Simon, Peter, that, that's exactly who I am, the Christ. But Jesus starts to explain how he's going to overcome evil. How he is going to defeat death. How he is going to save everyone. How he is going to put evil And suffering out of business. And here's how he says I'm going to do it. I'm going to be weak. I'm going to let these people kill me. I'm going to be humbled. I'm going to be tortured. I am going to be defeated. And what Jesus has done here is connect the dots in no no other way than God could do. Where you have these texts in Isaiah that are speaking about a servant that's going to die. But then you have these texts in Daniel that the Son of Man is going to be coming with angels. You See, no one put together that this divine figure coming from the clouds with great glory and power would lead to an executioner's death. And Jesus is saying, this is how my kingdom will come. And this is how my kingdom will be marked. By humility and weakness. Now, understand the rebuke. You have this high top for Peter where, like, the Christ pats you on the back. Vulnerable moment for me, okay? Words of affirmation right here, okay? Anybody else? You tell me I'm doing a good job, I will do a better job, right? Peter gets a little slap on the back and goes, man, bless you. And just a few verses down, you have one of the strongest rebukes in all the Gospels. He says, get behind me. Satan. Like, you know who Satan is, right? I don't know how everyone's biblical knowledge. You don't want to be called Satan. Like, that's just like, just mark that down. Don't be called Satan. It's a rebuke. Just a few verses removed from the greatest blessing you will see in the Gospels, do you see one of the greatest rebukes? And if you read it in verse 22 and 23, Peter took him aside. I love that little... It's like he's like, now that we're boys, okay, bless me, let me just show you, like, you don't need to die, okay? Let, let's not do that. And what a forceful rebuke it is. And back to our question... Why? Why was this such a forceful rebuke? Why did Jesus get so upset? It reminds me of a time that Jesus was in the desert. If you go a couple chapters back in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. Think about that for just a second. He was baptized, then he was led into the desert by the Spirit. Just think about that. And then the scriptures, the desert, of the wilderness, is a place of banishment. It's a place of exile, wandering, punishment. And Jesus is tempted by Satan after 40 days of fasting. And one of Satan's specific, specific examples of temptation is that he would be able to skip the suffering. Think about this. He would be able to skip the suffering and just have the kingdom of God. Go look at it, Matthew chapter 4. You see, what is the temptation there? Because Jesus goes to Satan, he says, be gone, Satan, get behind me, Satan. And he goes to quote Deuteronomy 6, 3, which says, it is the Lord your God that you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. That's what Jesus quotes. By the way, Jesus doesn't use anything other than the scriptures to fight temptation in the desert. He has the divine ability to do anything that he wants, yet he uses the book of Deuteronomy. So, Satan comes to him with a deal. He says, you can have all the stuff that you're going to die for without the suffering, without the humility Y'all, how much of a temptation is that for us? See, Peter tempts Jesus, and I have to—I have to think that Jesus is thinking back to his time in the desert. I have to think that because he's using the same words that Satan is whispering in his ear. Skip the suffering, go straight to the glory. And what is Jesus doing? He's denying himself. You see, we are tempted to follow the self, to serve ourselves, to give way to the flesh. And Jesus, our Savior, our example, never caved. Because here's what he does that's weird in, in verse 20. Do you notice this when he was when, when Ben was reading this? Verse 20. That he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Have you read that in the Gospels? You're just like, wait, I thought we were supposed to tell everybody that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, Jesus is setting a course here that speaks to every human heart. Glory without submission. Power without sufferings. We want our life to be like that. Jesus, just give me the trusting heart without pruning me. Jesus, give me patience without making me wait. Give me joy without going through seasons of sadness. One of my favorite movies, second Disney movie I'm going to reference, all right? Inside Out. Have you seen this movie? Great movie. Why? It's because... Joy and sadness come together to create joy. What a Christian message that is. That you can't, you can't understand your joy by disregarding your sadness. And this is what we want to do. It's human. And Jesus is saying, it's not the way of the kingdom of God. And this is how God aligns our belief and our behavior. He's exposing something in Peter going, yeah, you say I'm the Christ, but your behavior is not matching your mouth. Because think about this verse, verse 23, Matthew 16, 23. It's a key verse for where I think we're going. It says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's what Jesus says. What is the things of man? What does that look like? This is exactly what Jesus reveals to us in his teaching. The things of man, self-service, and the things of God. The contrast here. You see, Jesus reveals that the way to the true self the way that the true identity is through denial. So in Matthew 16, 24, you have to understand the context of where we come. Why would Jesus call us to deny ourselves and follow him? Well, number one, it's because he's the Christ. What Jesus is calling his followers to do is calling them to follow in the footsteps of self-denial, to shun the glory and the power-hungriness of our heart, to shun the ego and the pride, and to follow God into whatever he would ask us to do. And the call to self-denial is so backwards from what our culture calls us to do, right? You see, what is the way forward in our culture? Self-indulgence, self-glorification, self-promotion. See, Western culture beats this drum of finding yourself, be yourself. We quoted this in the student uh, student booklet this weekend. It says the cultural message is this: Don't try to get affirmation from others affirm yourself because you are doing what you want to do be who you want to be and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks that's the cultural message that you hear and what jesus is saying is that the way to find yourself the way to have the true identity that you truly uh, are searching for is by denying yourself it's a revolutionary answer it's not that your self doesn't matter. It's not that you uh, indulge yourself either. It's that you deny yourself. You see, a denial of self puts forth who your true master is. Denial means to disassociate oneself completely from someone, to sever the relationship, This commentator said it this way. Jesus is giving us a way to loose ourselves from being gripped by the concerns of human beings in verse 23. And that way is decisively to disown ourselves in the lordship of our own thinking and to go under new management. Self-denial, I love this, self-denial is not so much giving up chocolates at Lent as it is giving up ourselves as Lord's. It is the decision to let another Lord rule your life. Jesus has the answer to all the questions that we're asking. That is, what must I do to find life? And Jesus says, take up your cross. What would that indicate? It indicates a type of self-denial. It indicates the idea of death. And it indicates an idea of publicity. Cross-bearing was a public act. But it also indicates the way of Jesus. Because Jesus himself took the cross on his back. It is to be active in walking in the way of God and not man. But here's the question, right? How does denial lead to life? Now, you may be hearing me and go, okay, tell me what I need to do here. I'm talking about denying, but what does that look like on a daily basis in 2022? And here's what's so fascinating about this. He says in verse 25, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, denial of self leads to freedom to admit exactly who you are. Think about Think about this in regards to formation, being formed as a human being. What Jesus is saying here is you're trying to save yourself. It's exactly the temptation that Jesus had in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. It has a dual meaning. To save yourself means that you're self-reliant while at the same time denying the fact that you need saving. Have you ever met a man that thinks that they can lift anything without anybody's help? There's a lot of teenage boys over there that think they can do that, right? It's the act of understanding that I need saving, that I need help. The denial of self is the ability to say that I can't save myself. And until you get rid of the veil that you can't save yourself, you will never be able to look at yourself honestly. There's a lot of people that are extremely defensive about any deficiencies that they have. Have you met these people? Maybe you're one of them. There's always a constant deflection. You may say something that I have a weakness of, but have you met that person? They gossip way more than me see, without the denial of self, you'll never be able to admit weakness. Never be able to admit the depth of your selfishness. Why? Because if you did, you'd lose your life raft. You would lose the understanding that I can save myself. And this is what Peter says to Jesus. You don't have to take the cross. And what does Jesus say? You're a hindrance to me. You're a hindrance to me. Sometimes we, our ego, our pride, our selfishness, gets in the way of following Christ. But it's not only the freedom to admit exactly who you are, but it's the freedom of outside influence. We live in a time in which the words of people can pierce in any environment that we place ourselves in. It used to be just like someone would call you and call you whatever. But now you can type whatever you want, you can tweet whatever you want, and you can sign your name to it and nothing happens. And here's the worst thing. Is that it hurts. It hurts. Things people say to you, things that just marinate in your mind. You see, we want to be affirmed by the culture, or we reject that thinking, say, I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't matter what they think. Right? Don't be controlled by your parents, the opinions of others. And what is the alternative to that? Oh, the way to freedom, the way to life, is just by affirming yourself. And here's what you're doing. You're just enslaved to another opinion. You're still under the control. You just have found someone else that agrees with you, and that's just yourself. We can't get away from comparing. It is the way of man. It is the way of self one of the most popular albums of 2021 uh, was written by a, a girl named Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, and I, I listened to it for research. All right, I, I minister these teens; I have to understand what they're listening to, right? And she she came out with this song uh, called "Jealousy, Jealousy." Okay, and this girl had the best-selling album of 2021. And she talks about this idea of comparison. She talks about wanting to throw her phone away. And that she knows that she's pretty, but she looks at other girls and thinks that she's not. And she gets to this point where she says that comparison is killing me slowly. And I think too much about people that don't know me. And she says, all I see is what I should be, happier, prettier, jealousy if that's not just the perfect example of what we do every day. We're surrounded by opinions. We're surrounded by these ideas, comparison, and nothing's good enough. You see, for us, she might be the height of success, yet she is displaying the human condition. What does it gain if you gain the whole world yet lose your soul? The way most of our gain is ourselves is is through achievement through how we're perceived by others how much we're affirmed and and here's what the gospel does and here's what jesus is calling us to do that the gospel frees us from the slavery of opinion it it frees you from the slavery the false identity how because in the gospel of jesus christ you're given the verdict before the performance you understand That you are declared forgiven, loved, child of God before you do or achieve. And it is only through this kind of grace that you can say, this is who I am. I'm a sinner. I can recognize myself as a sinner in need of grace. And I don't have anything to save me. And there's parts of me that I don't like because I'm not saving myself. And you can say that I'm not defined by the opinions of others. Yet you can listen to the critique of others because you aren't defined by it. Do you see the freedom that we have? You see, very practically, a denial of self is the, is the ability to live by a new way. It's the ability to say, this is not my life, not my stuff, not my resources. I can wield it in any way you see fit, God. I can open a house to a bunch of smelly junior high boys and feed them Doritos all weekend because this is not my house. It's the ability to say that I am not my own Master. And I can't help to think about the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am, knowing exactly how Peter would answer and exactly how Peter would go on to deny him, Jesus, three times. It was very clear in that moment when he was denying Jesus to a little little servant girl by a fire, Couldn't do anything to him. She just asked, weren't you with that Jesus guy? No. And he actually curses her, cusses her out. And when he realized what he did, when he denied Jesus, when he disowned Jesus as his master and took on the way of man himself, you know what the Bible says he did? He ran away and wept. He wept. Jesus and God enters into the devastation with a question. John chapter 21, Jesus comes to him. You know what he asks him? Man, you're terrible. How could you deny me? He says in verse 17, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? Do you love me? And his answer. Lord, you know everything. You know everything. And you know that I love you. There it is. Lord, you know all things, self-denial, the master of our heart. The Lord comes into your brokenness this morning, each and every one of you, with a question. He's not coming with wrath. He's coming with a question gentle. Do you love me? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is unfazed by what you call him, but your life will be forever changed by what you call him. Let's pray together. What a God that we serve. I don't know the burdens in this room. I don't know the hurts and the brokenness. I don't know the shame and the weight. But I know how God reacts to those things. And there's a clear, clear picture of a God that meets us in our brokenness. That meets us in our needs. For some of us, we can't fathom a God that knows all the things that we have done, all the ways that we have continued to deny him in our lives, and yet comes to us with a question, an invitation. For some of us, we've been a follower for a long time yet we have been indulging in the way of man daily there is no self denial there is no no following no cross bearing and again we're not coming with shame You may be feeling shame. But Jesus comes with you, to you, with a question. Do you love me? Love is an action. It's a daily decision to put the needs of another above yourself. And one of the greatest allegiances The greatest allegiance that we have is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And when we do that, it's not just that we follow a command. We're fulfilled. We're doing the thing that we're created to do. So maybe this morning you feel discombobulated. You feel like you just can't get happy or joyful you feel like you can't get comfortable, there's an invitation. And I would just ask you to respond to that. Respond to that in a way that only you, you know how to. And maybe that's crying out to God, maybe that's talking with a pastor, maybe that's uh, talking with a, uh, a leader, What a great God that we serve, that comes to us in the midst of our brokenness and offers a hand. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. What a great day. Great day of worship and proclamation. And as we sing this final song, God, I pray that our hearts would just burst with love for you and thankfulness for what you have done for us. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Ann Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.